What's up, drama fam? Welcome back to the Drama Pod. My name is Rachel, and today we're doing another solo episode brought to you by yours truly. It's just me, myself, and I today. I hope you guys don't mind. I thought the last one was going to be terrible. I actually thought it was trash, and then everyone was like, oh my gosh, we loved it. So here we are again. I have so much that I want to update you guys on and just chit chat as if we're FaceTiming. And yeah, I have a bunch of notes on my phone. So let me take a look here. Oh my gosh, the first thing I want to talk about is The Bachelorette. Okay, so we watched the first episode when we were in North Carolina and Anna was there, which was pretty crazy. So if you missed the last few episodes or so, I went to North Carolina with Chelsea and Johnny, which is Johnny's my brother and then Chelsea is his wife. (laughs) It's always so funny referring to her as his wife. I don't know why. Because Chelsea's family has an apartment in Sugar Top Mountain in North Carolina. So they let us stay there for free, which was super sick, super dope. And it's a pretty cute apartment and it has a really nice view. But anyways, Anna's been in North Carolina for like three weeks now. She has a bunch of different family sections that are vacationing at different times. So she's been there for like two or three weeks and we were able to hang out with her one night and it just so happened to be the night of the bachelorette. Was it fate? I think so. So we pick her up, we watch the bachelorette and little do I know there are two bachelorettes this season, Gabby and Rachel. I just don't think it's going to work out. I've already seen glimpses of like jealousy and it's just going to be terrible. And I also saw this TikTok and I was also thinking the same thing, even just one episode in at how Gabby's outfits are like super pretty and like elegant. And then Rachel's outfits are like old grandma at least what that's what the tiktok said and i don't know i feel like are they pinning them against each other are they i i just don't think the producers have thought this out and i think it's going to be either really really good or really really bad so yeah we watched the bachelorette and then we drove anna home and it was like the craziest steepest scariest time of my life like it was pitch black and there's no lights on these mountains so we live at the top of a mountain and she was living in a different top of a mountain and each way down and up each of these mountains was like 15 minutes of steep winding roads in pitch darkness and fog and if you make a wrong turn or you go a little too fast and you roll over the edge you die like you're dead because it's a cliff so That's why we only hung out with her one time. And also she was working. I'm like speaking for her. She's probably so annoyed right now. (laughs) She was working that whole week. So she wasn't available from like nine to five. So it wasn't really worth it to go and pick her up every single night just because it was a 40 minute drive um, altogether. But anyways, it was super fun. North Carolina was amazing. I feel like it was just what we needed, AJ and I. I feel like we were at a point where we were just taking life really seriously. We both have tendencies to kind of overthink and just be too serious and too hard on ourselves of like, oh, we're not meeting this goal. We're not meeting this goal. Um, So it was really good to just get away in the mountains for a little bit. It was actually pretty chilly, which I did not expect. It was really cold in the mornings. By really cold, I mean like 60 degrees, but I just packed shorts and t-shirts. I only brought like one jacket, so RIP to me. But it was awesome. We went hiking. There was no Wi-Fi in the apartment, which was good and bad. Um, It was 
good because I couldn't like check too many emails or like do too many things. Instagram and stuff would load, but it would be pretty slow. So I kind of read a lot and just kind of sat with my thoughts which is good and bad in its own way. But yeah, super fun vacation. I think my favorite part was the blueberry picking. It was just so wholesome, a wholesome activity. There's so many places in North Carolina where you can blueberry pick. And I would say the worst part of the trip was just the drive to and from. It's 12 hours each way. And that was the worst part, especially the way back. We had a gas station nightmare. That's in the end of my North Carolina vlog if you want to. I'm not going to recap that. It was crazy. But anyways, we got back. Um, I got my period on the trip, which love that for me. I brought some pregnancy tests with me because I'm a psycho. I was supposed to get my period on day 15 post ovulation, which would have been, I think, Friday, but I didn't get it on Friday. I got it on Saturday, which was the day we were coming back. But okay, let me back up. I took a test on day 12 of the trip, which I think was like Tuesday or something. Obviously it was negative. I was depressed for a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, but then there's always that little part of you that's like, oh, well, it could still be positive a few days later. So I was just trying to not think about it. So I was upset for like a few hours internally. Obviously I try not to like ruin the day. It was, I took a test like really early morning. And by the time we went, out for the day with like 10 a.m. So I was fine, but I just wanted to know. And that's the thing about testing is like, part of me thinks that you should test early because what if you have like a chemical pregnancy and you never know because you will get your period, but really it was a chemical pregnancy. But then the other part of me is like, what does it matter if it was a chemical pregnancy? Like that doesn't change the trajectory of when I will conceive and have a healthy child. So that doesn't really matter. But then the other part of me is like, well, no, it does matter because it's good data for the doctor. If I do end up having to go and get tested, I could tell him all this data. So I don't know. I'm really conflicted with the testing. Um, and I'm also really conflicted with the charting and the basal body temperature and everything that I'm doing. So yeah, I don't know. I'm really conflicted. I I think I'm going to not chart at all this next month. I think I'm going to do a lot of things differently this next month. Um, I think I'm going to let go of the temperature tracking because I just feel like it's the one piece of control that I think I have. It makes me feel really in control. It makes me feel good. I feel like I know what I'm doing. I feel really educated, but again, that's not going to change the trajectory of when I will conceive. I'm pretty in tune with my body at this point. I know physically when I'm ovulating, I have different signs that my body tells me when I'm ovulating. So I don't even need the temperature. And then on the other hand, I'm like trying to rely on God. So I have this whole thing where, you know how everybody says, if you've ever watched these videos on YouTube or listened to people talk about it, they're like, once we stopped trying, we got pregnant. Or once we gave it to the Lord, we got pregnant. And I'm like, that is so cliche that it pisses me off. But at the same time, like here I am trying to do that. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, now that I'm giving it to God, I will get pregnant. And it's just this twisted, like psycho thought process that I cannot get rid of. So here I am trying to release and give it to God and not track and not worry and not like try to be in control but then the back of my head is like oh because you're doing that now he's gonna bless you and i'm just like how do i stop myself from being a psychopath how do i 
actually just give it to God and just actually not care. If anybody knows how to do that, please let me know. And by the way, thank you to everybody who sent me an email. I was reading them over the trip and they just touched my heart. So I'm just really in awe of God's goodness and all of your guys's trying to conceive journeys. And it's just so cool to read that. So I just wanted to say that. But anyways, I'm just having this battle mentally. I feel like I'm doing the right thing by not tracking and by letting go. But then the in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is going to be the month. This is the month because everybody says when you let go, you're going to get pregnant. And I'm like, oh my God, like at the end of this month, I'm going to be so confused if it doesn't work. Like I already know how I'm going to feel, but I'm praying daily for God to just help me chill out and like help me to freaking calm down because I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. I just overthink about everything in my life. When it's time to like try to conceive, that's the worst time to overthink. So anyways, pray for me. Let's see how it goes. I'm going to rely on the Lord, rely on my body's natural cues. We're going to do the deed whenever we want, however we want. And if this is the month, this is the month. Am I not going to track going forward indefinitely? I don't know. Another thing I'm going to try this month, which may seem counterintuitive to me letting go, is something called seed cycling. And seed cycling is actually super easy. It's very basic. It's just the idea that certain foods and more specifically certain seeds help you uh, regulate your hormones at certain points in your cycle. And I am not a granola person at all. I'm not very holistic. I believe in modern medicine. I don't think that food makes or breaks your pregnancy journey. I really don't think that. But since I'm undertaking this health journey in general, which I'll touch on in a little bit, I figured I might as well throw in these good seeds that are good for your body. Whether you're trying to conceive or not, I am trying to become more healthy, especially with food. So I'm going to try seed cycling. So there's four main seeds in this theory. It's pumpkin, flax, sesame, and sunflower. So you're supposed to eat some seeds every single day. This makes me laugh because I'm so like not this person, but I think that it'll motivate me to continue my health journey in general. And I just want to emphasize again, I do not think that this is going to get me pregnant. I truly don't even think this matters at all. But I do have a lot of spotting in the luteal phase of my cycle, which is the time after ovulation. Like this past cycle, I spotted for six whole days before I got my period. And I just know that that's probably not good. There's probably some imbalance in me. And yes, I fully rely on God to solve that. I don't think that eating some pumpkin seeds is gonna fix that. But again, I just, I like, I think it's fun. I think it's fun to focus on something and to incorporate healthy foods into my diet. So you eat like one or two tablespoons of each seed. In the first half of your cycle before ovulation, you're supposed to eat pumpkin and flax seeds. And then in the second half after ovulation, you're supposed to eat sesame and sunflower. So I have some pretty telltale signs that I've ovulated. If you are a man listening or you're, you get squirmish, maybe skip past a few minutes, but... <laughs> My signs of ovulation are um, higher sex drive, more lubrication naturally, if you get my drift. And after I've ovulated, aside from my increase in temperature, which I'm not tracking this month, my nipples get really sensitive. So that's just how I know that I've ovulated. And then of course you can take ovulation tests and take your temperature. But after doing this for five months or so, I've pretty much 
gotten it down. So that's what I'm gonna do. I ordered everything off of Amazon. They have like pre-made seed kits that you can buy, but they're so much more expensive than just buying them yourself. So I bought $70 worth of seeds. I bought all the seeds. I'm a seed queen. I even bought some hemp seeds just, just for fun. Just like throw it in there. So I'm gonna combine them all together into two, into two jars. The first jar is gonna be my first half and the second jar is gonna be the second half. That way when I make smoothies or oatmeals, I can just dump two tablespoons on whatever I'm eating. I've heard that the spotting in the second half of your cycle can be from low progesterone. Not a doctor, don't even know if that's true, but I'm curious to see if this will help. A lot of articles are saying that this is BS, like don't rely on this. And again, I'm not relying on it. I just think it's fun. And I've been wanting to incorporate seeds anyway. I see everybody eating like chia seed pudding, all this fancy stuff. And yeah, so just thought it would be fun. Moving on, I had a pretty good revelation during our trip. So we did a lot of hiking. We were in nature a lot, which I feel like is a great way to kind of force yourself to think a little bit more deeply and just reflect on nature and who God is and what he's done in your life. Um, Even if you're not religious, I just feel like being in nature kind of stimulates our brain in a way where phones and TV and even books kind of distract us. But when you're just alone and you have no Wi-Fi and you're walking through the woods or sitting by a brook, there's something that changes mentally, at least for me, And something that I realized is that this season of waiting is good and it's a positive and there's things that God wants me to do or grow in or accomplish or develop in. And I was reading this devotional after I took that pregnancy test. I was distraught as I always am because I'm dramatic. So I started this new devotional on my Bible app. It's called Waiting by the Brook. Learning to Wait Patiently on God by Kathy Ann Hernandez. And it was literally sent from God, actually, because it was about Elijah, who's a prophet, uh, a man of God in the Bible. And he heard from God that he was supposed to do certain things with his life. He was supposed to do God's work in a certain way. I don't know specifically what. I'm not uh, claiming to be super educated on Elijah, but the, the gist of the story was God had a plan for his life and he Elijah knew that God wanted him to do X, Y, Z. But then God also told him, not yet. He told him to wait. So Elijah was waiting by the brook, literally by a stream in the forest, for I think it was three years. And the idea is, even if God has this amazing promise for you and for your life, even if you've heard it directly from the voice of God, that may not mean that the waiting is over. There are seasons where you need to wait by the brook. And it was just crazy because we were hiking that day and we were by a brook, by a waterfall actually. And it was just like, wow, God, you are crazy. Like you are telling me to wait patiently by this brook for your promises to come true. And it was just so amazing. I probably did not articulate that well, so let me read an excerpt from the devotional. The waiting spot is not meant to be a permanent resting place. It is a place of transition. However, navigating the delicate balance between acceptance of where we are positioned in our Christian journey and hope for the future can be a bit tricky. In this space, we are called to balance the contradicting emotions of contentment and discontentment. During our wait, we must simultaneously rest contentedly in God's benevolent provisions for the present while being discontent with our current positioning for mission and calling. 
It is in this space of righteous discontentment that we are best able to claim the promise that God has for our life. Let us not be lured into a passive acceptance of our current circumstances. God has bigger plans for us, plans that are about abundance and fulfilling His will for us. While we wait on Him, we must adapt and live in the space of great expectations. A brook experience can mark the burial ground of hopes and God's calling on our lives to be fulfilled, or it can become the best lookout spot for us to view the road ahead. What will you choose? So we're in the season of waiting, right? I'm waiting to get pregnant. You may be waiting to meet your boyfriend or your husband or to get married or to get engaged or to buy a house or to find a job that you love. We're all waiting for something. Our seasons of waiting can go one of two ways. We can be active or passive in our waiting. A passive waiter accepts the waiting as their forever life. It's never going to happen for me. I'm just going to be content where I am. I'm never going to find someone. I'm never going to get pregnant. My life, my life is just going to be like this. And I'm accepting my fate of not reaching my dreams. On the other hand, we can be active. We can be hopeful and, f- and have faith that God will come through with what he's promised, which I want to touch on what he's promised in a bit. Being active in our waiting requires positivity, it requires faith, it requires effort, and to have a hope that is supernatural, right? Because only God can answer some of our prayers and only God can perform some of these miracles that we're asking for. And Tori Masters said it really well. If you don't know Chad and Tori, look them up on YouTube. They took, I think, a year or a year and a half or something to get pregnant. And she was saying that she was convicted about this one phrase, which goes, if God were to answer your prayer today, would you even be ready for it? And that just stung me because in my season of waiting, what am I doing? I'm just complaining. I'm being lazy. I'm being depressed. I'm deciding to not have faith in God that he will do what he promised. And so that leads me to my next goal for this next month is, Rachel, how are you going to provide food for your child? How are you, are you going to feed them chicken nuggets and, and gummies? Like, what are you doing now to prepare you to be the best mother that you can be? And then retroactively, I was thinking, why haven't I tr- been trying to be the best wife that I can be? Why would God decide to bless me in my season of waiting when I'm doing nothing to better myself for the blessing that I want so badly. And that just like wrecked me. I had all of these realizations on the trip. And again, that's why I think getting in nature is so good and kind of just stepping away from the mundane day to day and asking God, hey God, what should I do? I need help. And I felt like he really put this on my heart to be a better wife and to be a better expectant mother and expecting God to bless me. And I'm not ready. A hundred percent, I'm not ready for God to answer that prayer because if I were to get pregnant last month and let's say I would have terrible morning sickness, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed, you know, how some people have really bad first trimesters. I would not be learning how to cook. I would not be um, learning how to be a good mother. Like I, I would just be the same me. But now that I kind of view this season of waiting differently, I'm so excited to cook more. I'm so excited to learn how to take care of my home more and to make my home a positive and welcoming space first and foremost for my husband, which I feel like I've been lacking. And then secondly, for my future children, 
I don't want to be scrambling after I give birth and just being like, what do I do? Yeah, you breastfeed for a few months, but then what? Like, what am I going to do when they start eating solid foods? How am I going to feed a child when I can barely feed myself and my husband? That's been my biggest conviction. And as you'll see in my next upcoming videos, I am going, I went grocery shopping today. I felt really good about it. I'm going to make two new recipes this week. I'm obviously not stupid. I know that it's not going to happen overnight, but I, I've never been so motivated to do this. And again, there's a dark part of me that's like, okay, once I learn how to cook this month, God's going to bless me with the baby. And I'm trying not to think that. Um, but again, I have to, we're all toxic in the back of our heads. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving that to God and I'm saying, God, I know I'm toxic. I know my thoughts are screwed up. I know that part of me is like psycho. Please forgive me for that. Like I'm not perfect. I have all these expectations and these doubts. And if I do this, God will do this. If I do this, God will do this. And even now I'm just saying in my head, like God, take that away from me. And whenever I do have those thoughts, forgive me and thank you for your forgiveness because I'm so screwed up mentally that I like, I can't even think straight. I'm excited for this month. I, um, I saw how much my sister-in-law cooks on vacation. Uh, she only cooked a couple times. It's not like she was cooking every night because we did eat out a lot, which was great. But she made us chicken soup. And I was like, I can't make a chicken soup. How do you make a chicken soup? Like she made blueberry cobbler with the fresh blueberries that we picked. And I'm like, I want to be just a fraction of that. I just want to be confident in myself. And I was talking about it with AJ and uh, we're always going back and forth of, one of us wants to eat healthier and the other one kind of doesn't at the time and then we switch and then it it's like chaos. There was a moment where I was like, I was talking to AJ and I was like, I'm sorry for not um, doing my best. I'm sorry for not putting effort into our home and into the food that we eat and just relying on uh, Uber Eats and frozen meals. Like, And there was this honest conversation that we had and I was like, I want to do better. And he was like, I appreciate that you want to do better. He was so kind and like he never never tells me that I need to cook or something. But when I was able to kind of put my pride aside and be like, I need to improve in these ways. He was like, yeah, I would really appreciate that. Like he wasn't telling me, yeah, you need to cook or you need to do this. But he was like, I hear you. And I would totally appreciate if you, you know, made home cooked meals more often. And just hearing him say that he would love that and that that would make him 10% happier because it's not going to fix everything. But just seeing him be so excited for this next um, phase of me cooking was all I needed. Like that's all I needed to be like, okay, this is right. This is what I need to focus on in the next, I don't know, few months of my life. And of course I have to put a disclaimer that just because you're a woman doesn't mean you have to cook, but honestly, like screw that, like <laughs> screw that. I don't really care if people are going to come at me for saying I'm a woman, so I need to cook. This is me. I'm talking about me. Everybody do you. Okay. In our marriage, neither of us love to cook and there's nothing morally wrong with that. But one of us does need to step up. Would you agree? It's either the man or the woman or whoever it is in your relationship. One of you needs to step up and take the lead with cooking. Doesn't mean you have to cook every meal. Doesn't mean you're a slave. Doesn't mean X, Y, Z. It just means someone has to do it. I'm going to be the one to step up and do it because I want to be that figure 
in our family who provides a warm meal, a welcoming home, nutrition, and just a pleasant experience um, when it comes to food in our home. And I want to take the lead on that. Doesn't mean you have to, uh, but we'll get into um, some Bible verses that I think really kind of guided me to this point of where I'm at. And going back to God's promises, I frequently have this thing where I'm like, okay, everybody's talking about God's promises and everywhere in the Bible is like, trust that God will say, trust that God will do what he said he will do. Trust that God will come through with his promise that you heard him say physically or metaphysically. And I'm like, where are you guys hearing these promises? What promises are you talking about? I've never heard a promise from God that said you will bear a child. I haven't. The only promise I've read, quote unquote, from the Bible is that I have a plan and hope for me, for your future. I will save you. You will come to heaven and see me. Like just the basic promises that apply to everybody. I have not heard a specific promise from God specifically to me that I will do X, Y, Z, that I will have a child, that I'll have a boy, a girl, whatever. So that gets me to think how do I know that I will ever have a family? God hasn't told me. He hasn't promised that to me. So how can I rest in his promises if I don't know what his promises are? And I have, I don't have the answer. I really don't have the answer. If anyone has the answer, email me because I need to know. But the only thing I can do, the only thing I can rest in is exactly what I said before, which is I have a plan for your future. I know what's best. I have a will for your life. I will not lead you to harm. You will one day be with me in paradise. There will be no uh, sickness, no illness. There will be no tears in heaven. Like those are the only things I can rely on. So I just want to put it out there because I feel like I felt really alienated when people would say in church, well, just trust in his promises. Uh, and why are you doubting the promises of God? And I'm like, I, <laughs> I'm praying for a healthy baby. God has not promised me that healthy baby. So how can I rest in the fact that he will do what he said he will do when it comes to that? Some people do get promises from God, uh, whether it's just an intuition or they hear the voice of God. I have never experienced that. So the only thing I have to rest in is that he has a plan for my life and that his plans are better than mine. So I just want to put it out there because I know I struggled with that. And if any of you guys listening are like, I haven't heard a promise from God, don't be alarmed. You're not alone. A lot of us have not heard specific promises from God and all we can do is rest in knowing that he is good and that he does grant us the desires of our heart if it is within his will. So when I pray, I pray, God, please grant me with a healthy baby. You know our family, you know our future children, you know what that looks like and who we need in our family. And I pray that your will be done. You know what's best for my life and his will in my experience, has always been better. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about Proverbs 31, which is the whole chapter about a wife of noble character. It's a very popular chapter and book in the Bible. It talks all about what being a good wife is. Trigger warning, if you're not religious and you get irritated when I when someone talks about feminine masculine roles, please click away. This is my belief. I believe in the Bible that it's true and real and spoken from God. So this is what it says. 
Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. So I'm going to break down this chapter verse by verse and kind of apply it to my own life and hopefully you guys can apply it to your own lives. Even if you're not married or don't have a boyfriend, I feel like this is such a good way to prepare. I wish I would have prepared more. I wish I would have been the best wife that I could have been in these last three years, Um, but it's never too late to get back on track. Her husband can trust her. What does that mean? That means that I'm not going to go blabber about my marriage issues to my friends. I'm going to keep that between us. And if my husband tells me something in confidence, I'm going to keep that between us as well. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. What this means to me is, and again, this is only my interpretation. I'm not a Bible expert. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. I'm not going to bring my husband all of my problems. Sure, I'm going to share what's on my heart and he's going to help me and motivate me and bring me up and encourage me. But I'm not going to bring him every little inconvenience, every little pet peeve, every little uh, piece of gossip. I'm not going to bring him anything that will not lift him up unless I need support. If I need help, I need encouragement, I will share my heart with him, of course. But I'm not going to constantly like nag him and just be negative. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. This refers to making clothing. To me, this means just having a home where my husband can rely on having clean clothes, having clothes that are not ripped. I'm going to adopt that into my responsibilities. Does this mean he never does laundry? Absolutely not. This just means that I'm going to, I'm going to take the lead to make sure that my husband always has clean clothes to wear. He actually does a lot of his own laundry, so that's not even applicable. But anyways, she's like a merchant's ship bringing her food from afar. What this means in modern day to me is that I'm going to cook. I'm going to provide food for my husband and I'm going to make international meals. (laughs) It's going to be fun. It's something exciting and something fun to be able to be like, hey, today we're having Japanese or today we're having um, African or Indian food. And just to be able to make these different exotic meals, um, is such a blessing and such a talent. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. Do I think that we all need to get up before dawn? No, I just think this characterizes what a not lazy wife does. So this applies to me by simply, number one, getting up at a reasonable hour, not, you know, sleeping until noon. And number two, preparing breakfast for her household. That's pretty self-explanatory. Planning the day's work for her servant girls. What this tells me is that it's okay to have help. I have a cleaning person who comes every two weeks and it's my job to make sure my house is in good order. So If that means outsourcing certain tasks in the past, they had servants today. We just hire people to do certain things. That's okay. As long as my house is in order and I am not being personally lazy, that is fine. She goes to inspect a field and buys it with her earnings. She plants a vineyard gardening. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think we all need to have a garden. I don't think that's what this is saying. I think this means just being wise with any earnings that you do earn. A lot of even stay-at-home wives have uh, side hustles. I know a lot of people who do hair or makeup on the side. Maybe you have a small social media following and you make a little bit of money. Being wise with their earnings. 
And again, there's nothing wrong with working. Some women have this idea that if I'm a mom, I need to not work and working is wrong because only men should work. That's not necessarily true either because the Bible says that a woman can buy a field and a woman can plant a vineyard. Like a woman can be in business. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. This just basically says to me, Rachel, stop being lazy. Uh, Women back in the day, they had to you know, sew their own clothes and do all this stuff. And they worked late into the night and they got up before dawn. So what's my excuse? She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. How can I provide a poor person or a homeless person with a meal if I can't even provide my family with a meal? That's what that means to me. She has no fear of winter for her household for everyone has warm clothes. Again, with the clothes, just provide clothes, guys. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linens and purple gowns. What this means to me is number one, just tidiness. Make sure that your bed is clean, nice sheets, comfortable sheets, and take care of your appearance. Uh, Does this mean that you need to be a supermodel and be uh, so skinny and into your looks and vain? Absolutely not. But there's nothing wrong with dressing in fine fine linens and purple gowns. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay, so if I want to get ready for the day and slick my hair back and just put some sunscreen on, maybe some foundation, that's good. That's a good and holy thing. Being presentable, being appropriate, and taking care of your body because your body is a temple, that is a good thing. I need to get ready for the day because sometimes when I when I have days off of work, I just stay in my pajamas all day and I it's not good for my mental health. I don't think it's wrong or taboo to say that we need to care a little bit of how we present ourselves. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. Okay, that has nothing to do with me. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. So here she is again. She's providing a skill and she's making clothes and selling them for money. Nothing wrong with that, girls. Nothing wrong with that. Start that Etsy shop that you've been wanting to start. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. The strength and dignity, I think, totally come from God. I think by having a good connection with him and being in tune with yourself and your relationship with him, strength and dignity come. And laughing without fear of the future, that just means trusting in the Lord, not taking life too seriously. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. Again, when speaking with your husband or your boyfriend or really with anyone, be kind with your words, be wise with your words. Don't be nagging. Don't be gossiping. Don't be negative all the time. Lift others up. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. I think there's this huge misconception in modern media. I honestly think it's just the media's fault of telling women that we shouldn't have to do anything in the household. Um, men should do 50-50, if not everything. And I would just say, look look at what the Bible says. And if you're not a Bible-believing person, totally fair. Totally fair that you would think that. I'm not blaming you. But as someone who does believe in the Bible and that gender roles do have a place in society, I think this is good. I think I suffer from laziness all the time. I think it's my biggest character flaw. (laughs) And I need to be more watchful of my household, making sure that it's a warm and welcoming place. 
Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. So this last section here, charm is deceptive, beauty does not last. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think you can totally take care of yourself and your body and your mind and your hair um, without relying on that as a personality trait. I think um, there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself as long as you realize that beauty does not last. And if you have all of your hope and your treasure in the way that you look and you identify as skinny as a needle and fit and healthy, health can be taken away from us in the snap of a finger. It's quite scary, actually. So just remembering that uh, beauty does not last. And even when we are looking at men, uh, the men in our life, uh, charm is deceptive, ladies, okay? So don't fall for that uh, bad boy who is charming but doesn't align with the values that you have because that is deceptive and his beauty will fade. So just remembering that it does go both ways. A woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. How powerful is that? Even if we're the best wife we can be, the best daughter, the best friend, the best boss, and the people in our life don't appreciate it, don't fret because God sees you and he will reward you. And most of the time when we are the best that we can be, we'll notice that other people are also being better versions of themselves. I've noticed in my marriage when I'm being more kind, when I'm being more generous, AJ also mimics me and vice versa. When I'm being a biatch and AJ's being so kind and loving, I tend to change my behavior and I'm like, wow, he's so good. I'm so bad. Let me be more good. So we mimic the people we are around. And by being the best girl, woman, that we can be, we will greatly impact other people's lives, even if it's not instant. It may take years, it may never happen in your lifetime, but you are making an impact. In closing, I just wanna motivate us. If any of us are struggling with laziness or whatever convicted you during this sermon, because I'm a pastor, (laughs) no. Whatever resonated with you during this session, let it marinate in your head. Don't let it make you feel like crap or any sort of emotion. Just be with that thought like I was with the thought that I need to cook more. I'm not going to go and beat myself up and be depressed. I'm going to marinate on that thought and make an action plan to be better. Let's be better together. Let's be the best wife, girlfriend, friend, daughter, coworker that we can be. And remember that your season of waiting is for a reason. God has something planned for you in this season that you may not realize now, but once your prayer is answered, you will say, wow, God, that was perfect timing. And I know that when my child is born and I'm feeding them like freaking homemade baby food pureed with vegetables and whatever the case may be, I'm going to be like, God, you knew what you were doing because I wasn't ready when I thought I was. And only you knew what my child and my family needed. All right, guys, I'm going to stand off of my soapbox. Stop preaching at ya. Preaching at myself, to be honest. But uh, yeah, so hope you enjoyed this episode. 
Send in your advice emails. I want to do another episode with AJ, an advice episode, whether it's relationships or something you want a male perspective on. Email me at a small amount of drama at gmail.com and we will dive in. We'll hold nothing back. Make sure you give us a five star review. It really helps the podcast. We have a few more weeks of Anna not being here. Hope that's okay. Hope that's okay. Let me know what else you want to hear from us. And catch you in the next one. Bye, guys.